0: You may be seated, and I invite you to open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3, and I will uh, attempt to do what our pastor said he would do last week, and I'm here for it, I'm his intern, so I'm grateful to finish uh, the chapter, the third chapter of the book of Proverbs this morning, and to finish out this year of ministry, to look to the wisdom of of God's Word, I think, is an appropriate way to finish our year uh, together as a ministry. Uh, as you turn there, I want you to think of a classic Christmas movie. No, not the one you're thinking of, not your favorite. The one that when you turn the TV on instead of your streaming platform, uh, you see this one. No, not that one, the even older one. It's a wonderful life. Some of you are north-south on that. Others of you are really confused because it sounds like I just greeted you and talked about my life or yours. It's one of those movies where even if you don't know that movie, you actually probably do know that movie. You've seen it before, probably in bits and pieces or maybe even several times over the course of your life. It's the story of George Bailey, a man who has given up his personal dreams to help others and who on Christmas Eve has lost all hope and finds himself on a bridge. Now, of course, George's guardian angel, Clarence, a name for the era's—who who is a second class, get that straight, second class guardian angel, shows George what life would be like without George's existence, if he had never been born. And in the end, of course, all is well, is that ends well. George's hope and belief in himself is restored. And, of course, Clarence earns his wings and changes that second class. And George returns to the life he once had. And it's a wonderful life that he has, warts and all. We began a look last week at Proverbs 3, and it's a wonderful life. It's a life full of blessing. It's a life full of promise. It's a life we saw last week centered on God and pursuing his wisdom. You see, Proverbs 1 and 2 showed us what life would be like if we didn't have wisdom. Sort of the Clarence approach. But instead of Clarence, we get, we get Solomon. And he here now in chapter 3, he is showing us this portrait of a life that does indeed have wisdom. A life pursuing godly wisdom. This wonderful life that God has designed and that God is giving us the wisdom now to understand as his people. Now, remember, chapter 3, as Austin said last week, is more... Preparation for the Proverbs themselves, which the Proverbs themselves begin in Proverbs 10. We're laying now the necessary groundwork. The appetizer for the meal is what we have here. We could say, Chapter 3, as the rest of 1 through 9 do, Chapter 3 shows us the kind of life that godly wisdom produces when it's heated. What we saw so clearly last week is that this kind of life points to God. Yahweh's name is mentioned nine times throughout this third chapter of Proverbs. And that's a thing that is quite rare for the Proverbs, for the name of God to be mentioned that many times in a short span like this. And so this is a life that is determined by God, not Self. It's a life that is centered on Him, not one's own selfish gain. It's a Godward life, a life of walking with God humbly. This chapter shows us it's a life that trusts in Him with all its heart, it's a life that acknowledges Him in all its ways. It's a life that fears Yahweh and honors him with its wealth and at times experiences the loving discipline of the Lord. This is the life of godly wisdom and it's a wonderful life. And it's a wonderful life because unapologetically, unabashedly, this is a life of blessing and reward. With every one of those phrases that points us to God, it's followed by a promise of blessing. But Proverbs 3 shows us this throughout. It's a life that is of lengthened days and peace. It's of favor and good success. It's of straight paths and filled barns and bursting vats. You see, the Godward life, this life that pursues God's wisdom, abounds in God's blessing in the here and now, in this life, and into eternity also. And so as we look at the rest of chapter 3, we'll continue to see this same truth, this wonderful life of blessing under God's design and in his wisdom. Uh, Today, let's very simply look at three marks of this wonderful life That is, this life of godly wisdom. Uh, The first of those is that godly wisdom is invaluable. Godly wisdom is invaluable. We'll see that in verses 13 to 20. This first section shows us the incalculable value of wisdom. You see, the worth of wisdom itself... And the gain to be had from it, uh, both in this life here and now and in eternity. The worth of wisdom in all of this is beyond earthly measure. It's of God, and so it transcends uh, the value of this earthly existence. Godly wisdom is invaluable. Uh, this section, uh, particularly verses 13 to 18, is often referred to as a hymn of wisdom because it so beautifully extols uh, the invaluable nature of wisdom. Uh, verses 13 and eight, 13 through 18 are what we call an inclusio. It's a Hebrew nerd term for, a f- uh, not a phrase, but a section that has a bracketed structure. Uh, with a beginning and an end that is marked by the same word or phrase or theme. And here, this inclusio is marked by the word, look at verse 13, blessed. And then look at verse 18, those who hold her fast are called blessed. Look at verses 13 to 18, and let's read uh, the whole thing. Blessed is the one who finds Wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver. And her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels. And nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. And in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness. And all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. You see, the one who finds wisdom in verse 13, and the one who holds fast to it, keeps it, is blessed. This word blessed or blessed or happy in some translations. This is reminiscent of a few passages that might jump to mind as you read a Passage like this. You think of Psalm 1, or you think of the Beatitudes. Blessed are, or blessed is the one. Other Psalms come to mind. 32 as well. This is an assessment found in Scripture that is of utmost value. When you see the word blessed, it is the truly blessed wonderful life. It is the blessed life. You see, this word blessed isn't just emotional happiness, is it? Just hashtag blessed. Although this kind of blessedness can certainly manifest itself in emotional happiness. No, this is not just mere emotional status here. This is a well-being of soul that comes from walking faithfully and walking rightly with God. It's the state of the soul that comes from fearing him and obeying him and honoring him and therefore experiencing his favor, the kind of favor that we've seen so far in Proverbs 3, all the things that we looked at so far already and reviewed again today. This is the incalculable worth of godly wisdom in your life, that as you pursue it and it transforms your life, it is a sure sign that you are walking with God and that you are, as this passage says, blessed. And as you find wisdom and as you keep and guard wisdom, you multiply the blessings of God in your life. Surely, It seems like an over-promise, under-deliver, to think of all the blessings in this blessed life in Proverbs 3. But it is not. We don't think enough of these blessings, because in eternity we have all that God ever has promised come into fruition fully. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. Those who hold this wisdom fast are blessed. Now, I wonder if you have an investment friend. You know, that guy, usually a guy. The investment friend who sends you clips of YouTube dudes, you know, Graham Stefan or Ramsey or those phone-it-in shows or Humphrey Yang kind of types. They send you those clips. They send you TikToks. You get it. They're passive-aggressive or they're actually helpful sometimes or they're convicting. Uh, you have that investment friend who that's all they send you on the reels. That investment friend doesn't want to talk about 2022 and what happened then but he's always happy to give you advice, right? He's always happy to send you something or tell you what to do or ask you a little bit too much about your finances. And he tells you to invest in crypto one year and then in precious metals the next, or then just in the long-term stuff, and it was, I always told you that. You shouldn't have listened to me last year. And it's at this percentage and this rate. And it all seems so wise and godly and stewardy, right? Because he's your age or maybe a little younger and he knows something about something you don't know about. So it's wise, right? Wise for his age. And so we listen to that investment savvy friend and make a few mistakes and we sign on to what seems godly, but really maybe is for self gain, be frugal and multiply and fill your bank account kind of stuff, you know, we listen to that investment friend. Now imagine if you had not an investment friend, but a wisdom friend. A friend who would say, hey, listen to wisdom. Find wisdom. Get understanding. Hold fast to this kind of wisdom. Would you listen to this friend? I mean, at the risk of sounding proud, this friend would tell you, hey, man, invest in wisdom. Crossroads, guess what? We have that friend. Here he is. It's the word of God by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Solomon, one of the wealthiest men man in the history of the world, is here, to tell us, wisdom will make you richer than money ever will. You see, Proverbs 3 is telling us that we don't need investment tips or trade secrets. We need godly wisdom. And it's wisdom that, verse 14, profits better than gold or silver That verse 15 is more precious than jewels and incomparable to earthly riches. That verse 16 affords you long life and riches and honor. And that verse 17 gives you pleasantness and peace. You see, godly wisdom shifts our paradigm from riches of solely earthly value to a paradigm of eternal value. And with a life of godly wisdom, the sure blessing of God, both in this life and the next, that is the invaluable nature of godly wisdom. Now The wisdom of God and his word is what's on the heart of the psalmist. Turn to Psalm 19 just to see a few verses here of Uh, this invaluable nature of the wisdom of God and the law of God and the statutes of Yahweh. Psalm 19, verse seven, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Look at verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold. Even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb we could look at Psalm 119 and see a similar thing. Therefore, I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. This is on the heart of the psalmist, and this morning, this should be on our hearts as well. That as we look to the wisdom of God's word, we should see that it has a value far greater than anything this world can offer. It's cheesy to say at Christmas that the reason for the season is uh, remembering the coming of Christ. But I think it's a worthy examination to think about what it is that you want most this Christmas. What it is that you treasure most as you finish a semester and look forward to another one. As you have a few weeks off from work or even just a few days. What is it that you set your heart on? And I hope that for you, as it is for me, that we would find the riches of Christ and the riches of wisdom found in God's word is far greater than anything this world can offer. This is in the Psalms, and this is in Proverbs 3, the invaluable nature of godly wisdom, you see, on the scales of eternity, the wisdom of God is worth more and produces more than anything we can desire in this life. Turn back to Proverbs 3, if you're not already there, and look at verse 18. This is why wisdom is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. A Tree of life. I hope that's at least familiar to you. It should catch your eye that We are in Proverbs 3 and you see the words tree of life and we're not in Genesis or in Revelation. You see, that's Genesis 2 and 3 as well as Revelation 2 and 22 kind of language. This is the life-giving tree in the presence of God which if Adam ate from it would have given him eternal life. Here in Proverbs 3, This is what Solomon is telling us wisdom is. Wisdom is a tree of life for us. And we hold fast to the life giving wisdom of God. And we, by this tree of life, have a foretaste of eternity with God an eternity with God that was made possible by wisdom incarnate, Jesus Christ. Who, who in the infinite wisdom of God, uh, the kind of wisdom that confounds the wisdom of man, he paid the penalty for our sins by dying a sinner's death on a cross. And so, with this life that we have in him, by this tree of life that is wisdom, friends, we are informed and instructed by the riches of God's word. We are given life and pleasantness and peace. We are taught how to walk humbly with our God, how to honor him and trust him, how to, in all our ways, acknowledge him, how we are to fear him. And as we hold fast to this tree of life that is the wisdom of God, we are called blessed. We are called blessed. Now, verses 19 and 20 serve as a link between this section and the next section. And what verses 19 and 20 do is to help orient our thinking back on the source of wisdom, Yahweh, and the rightful fear we are to have before Him. It's really the grounding or the foundation to a life of godly wisdom. In Proverbs 3, look at verse 19. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. Verse 19 speaks of God's founding the earth. God's establishing the heavens. God, in wisdom, creating. And then verse 20 shows us the development of that in the oceans and the clouds. God in wisdom, here with water, sustaining that which he created. And so we see here the wisdom in creation that God has that he now gives to us. And tells us to find and then to keep. It's wisdom and its role in creation is something we'll see again in, in chapter eight. You see the very wisdom we are being called to pursue is the very same wisdom by which God created and now sustains the entire universe. To walk in wisdom then is to live a life in tune with the way God designed it to be. You see, if God created and now sustains the world in the very same wisdom he now gives to us, it is the blueprints for this life. You see, instead of coming up with our own answers for what to do when we don't know what to do, Walking in wisdom is with initiative, with humility, with a desire to please the Lord. It is looking to the instruction of God and his word for what it might have for our situation. It's submitting to his precepts. It's loving his commandments and it's embracing his wisdom. Here at Grace, we have so many good and godly people in our midst. I remember in my time in Crossroads as a student, I would look around and look at the people on staff and look at the people across the aisle in Big Church and think, man, how do you get there? Maybe you look up from your little dorm room existence or you look over the pile of dishes in your apartment and you look into the kind of life that these seemingly well put together godly kind of people have. No drama, uh, no controversy, easy going. They've got it good. Single people and families, godly people here at our church. And you wonder, how did they get there? Well, I think Job in Job 28, as he searches the world for wisdom and finds it, its source in Yahweh. I think Job 28 and Proverbs 3 and the entirety of God's word and these fine folks here at our church would all have the same answer. And the answer is the source of wisdom and it's Yahweh, it's God. I think these people would say, I don't know how I got here. All by God's grace and blessing, but all by seeking God's wisdom. All by living faithfully. All by fearing Yahweh and turning from evil. All by trusting the Lord with all our heart, even in trial. All by acknowledging every way before him. Wisdom, godly wisdom is invaluable. It bears fruit in our lives that we can't even explain because it is the wisdom of our infinitely wise God. Oh, what a grace that it is that the creator and sustainer of all things, the infinitely wise God, would so freely and abundantly give us his invaluable wisdom. And so that's the first thing we need to see, that godly wisdom is invaluable. The second thing we need to see here in Proverbs 3 is that godly wisdom brings security. Godly wisdom brings security. We see that in verses 21 through 26. Here, a life of godly wisdom brings the promised protection of God. You see, godly wisdom affords you the security of knowing and being known by the very creator and sustainer of the universe. We not only have his invaluable wisdom, but it also brings the protection of God himself into our lives. You see, a Godward life that pursues the wisdom of Proverbs knows God and has the blueprints for the life he's designed. And I believe these two things demonstrate the blessing of safety and security and serenity that the, that godly wisdom brings and we see that here in these verses. Now, this section here is another inclusio and the only reason why it's important to notice that is because it gives us the main theme again the main idea look at verse 21 my son do not lose sight of these keep sound wisdom and discretion and then verse 26 for the lord will be your confidence confidence and will keep your foot from being caught You see, that is the security of the Godward life, that you would keep or guard wisdom, and then that Yahweh will guard or keep your foot from being caught. It's a call to the faithful pursuit of godly wisdom, to not lose sight of it and and to never let it go, but to keep it, knowing that your confidence will be in the one who will never lose sight of you and will always keep you. That's the protection of godly wisdom that we get here in Proverbs 3, the security of knowing and being known by the creator. Now before this era of streaming platforms, there was a TV genre that I think is the greatest TV genre that, The world has ever known it's always on late in the night and you never know when it's coming it's the high-speed chase the best right now you have to find them on youtube but inevitably you get the view from the airship the chopper right and it's a beat up pickup truck at first and then maybe a carjacking to another vehicle, down the 110 and off onto the streets, and the suspect hops out. You know the drill. You've seen this before. And I don't know if you know this, but the chopper, the airship, has one job besides giving us a good view of this thing. Its job is to feed video to the cops, the ones in hot pursuit, to not lose sight of the suspect. Now, most high-speed chases are a cheap 26 minutes of late-night television. But What Solomon has for us here is uh, this same thing, but for a lifetime. You see, our one job is to not lose sight of wisdom. Proverbs 3 has shown us we've found wisdom. We are blessed. Now, what do we do? We do not lose sight of it. We keep it. We guard it. You must not only find wisdom, verse 13, you must steadfastly pursue it. You must not lose sight of it. You must keep it within you. Our pursuit of wisdom must not just be when we think we need it or when we don't know where to turn or when we're just convicted in a moment and we think, okay, I need to grow. We need God's wisdom all the time. And we need to know that we always need it. And here in Proverbs 3, Verse 21, we need to know that we need to never lose sight of it. We need to keep it close. Verse 22 tells us that if we do that, they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. You see, unlike that pickup truck on the 110 in the high-speed chase, wisdom's not running away. Wisdom's right here. Wisdom's available and open eh, there for us. Wisdom abounds for those who want it. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him what Proverbs 3, 21 to 26 shows us is that for those who faithfully pursue wisdom, who for a lifetime don't lose sight of it and who keep it, God will protect them. For those who hold fast to his precepts and his promises, he will hold them fast. And I see in these verses two elements to this security that we find in wisdom. The first is in verses 23 and 24. Look there. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. You see, the security found in God's wisdom first is found in God's wisdom, itself. It's that God's wisdom, itself, wisdom that it is, is help and protection along the way. I think sometimes in our thinking about the Proverbs, we spend so much time worrying about all of the caveats and exceptions about wisdom, that we forget the plain and simple fact that God's wisdom is indeed God's gracious help and protection for us along the way in the life that he has designed for us. You see, we think sometimes wisdom is some kind of magic bean or rabbit's foot that we just put in our pocket and it'll help us. Wisdom literally will help you Wisdom in its words, wisdom in its pairings, wisdom in its chapters and verses. Wisdom will literally help you and protect you. Wisdom will keep you safe because it's God's wisdom and it's the way that life works, it's the way that that life is intended. It's the way that life is designed. And so, if you heed his wisdom, it will keep you safe and secure in his life, in this life. Uh, so, when the Proverbs say, Leave the presence of a fool, for there you do not meet words of knowledge, it is protection for you from making foolish friends. Uh, when the Proverbs say, Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. It is protection for you from not seeking good counsel. When the proverbs say, "The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps," it is protection for you from getting out in front of God and your thinking. You see through every winding path and up every hill you climb in this life, and danger and despair and temptation or trouble. God's wisdom shows us the way and affords us safety and security as his people if we would just heed that wisdom. And so we need to see first that wisdom is the means by which God keeps you secure. It's the means by which he will give you restful sleep. Whether verse 23, you are walking, or verse 24, you are lying down to rest. At all times and in every situation, the wisdom of God lights the path and is a nightlight for you when you lay your head down. I think verse 25 brings back a necessary dose of reality for us. You see, the path of wisdom isn't all just sunshine and rainbows and Solomon himself, of all people, knows that. He says there, verse 25, do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. You see, those that live a Godward life, those that pursue godly wisdom, know how life works. And they know, they know that sudden terror will come and so those with wisdom or are not surprised and are not afraid of this kind of sudden terror. It reminds me of 1 Peter 4.12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. We, as God's people, should expect that sudden terror and fiery trials will happen, and especially as God's people, with his wisdom, we should understand that. And we should understand that when the ruin of the wicked comes, it's nothing to be surprised about. It's the way that God's world works this side of eternity. What grounds this all? What gives us the confidence, about the protection that we have in having godly wisdom, it's in verse 26. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. This brings us back to what we saw in verses 1 through 12 last week. Godly wisdom is centered on Yahweh. And the protection that godly wisdom gives us is from Yahweh. You see, if you have godly wisdom, you trust in the Lord with all your heart. If you have godly wisdom, you acknowledge him in all your ways. And if you have godly wisdom, you fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And the life of godly wisdom finds confidence in Yahweh, even in the day of trouble. It's ultimately the God of godly wisdom in whom we place our trust. It's the Lord who by wisdom founded the earth. It's in him that we place our confidence in the day of trouble. It's Yahweh who will keep your foot from being caught. And it's his wisdom that will help you along the way the security of the Godward life, the security of godly wisdom is not found in following a set of rules that keep you safe. It's found in the power and in the providence of Yahweh that he looks after his own. He guards his own and he gives you his wisdom to help you as well. The key to unlocking All of this is what Austin gave us last week. It's not that we need balance. It's not that we're missing something in this precious promise of protection. It's that we don't believe it enough. And that we don't believe it in full enough measure. Because this side of the cross, with the wisdom of God in Proverbs, and the wisdom of God incarnate in the Son, Jesus Christ, our souls dwell secure now and in eternity by the blood of Jesus. We know and we can be sure that we have ultimate and eternal security, and it's in Jesus Christ. Turn to 1 Peter 1 with me to see this kind of security that we have. I think it's helpful to just see that with our own two eyes. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We have a living hope. Uh, We can dwell secure uh, because we have Christ. And because we have the very wisdom of God in the Proverbs and the very wisdom of God in Jesus. And so this Christmas, as we consider what it means that Jesus came to earth as a man uh, to die a sinner's death for us and then be raised to life to give us this living hope, it means precious security for our souls. And it means precious security in eternity, but it means precious security for us now as we face the trials of life. You see, the person who has submitted to Yahweh and is pursuing his wisdom knows where his soul lies in eternity. And he knows because of Christ And therefore, he knows too that he can lie down in peace each and every night in this life as well. Godly wisdom points us to the confidence we have in God for who he is and for the wisdom he so graciously provides us to navigate this life. The third and final mark of godly wisdom we need to see in Proverbs 3. You can turn back there. And it's this, godly wisdom blesses others. Godly wisdom blesses others. Here in this last section of Proverbs 3, there's a set of five negative proverbs, a set of prohibitive principles. Do not, do not, do not, do not, do not. It's a pattern that actually began in verse 25 with do not be afraid of sudden terror. But that's in that last section. Let's look at uh, verses 27 on. These five do not here in this section help us to see that godly wisdom blesses others you see uh, so far in this chapter we've seen the blessing of godly wisdom in our lives it's uh, suspiciously been a lot about us it's about uh, those who keep and uh, who find and keep and stay on the path of not losing sight of godly wisdom well You know it. Godly wisdom doesn't keep that wisdom and that blessing to itself. It blesses others, and that's what we see here in this last section. We see here, too, godly wisdom blesses others because it cannot and it will not keep God's blessing to itself. Uh, The one who lives a Godward life is aware of God's hand of blessing in his own life. And having been given so much, then in turn desires to be an extension of that blessing in the lives of others. And so let's look at each of these do not statements briefly, but each one by one. Look at verse 27, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. This is speaking of uh, someone who is due something, probably an allusion to Leviticus 19, 13. The wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you all night until the morning. And it's part of God's law, echoed in Deuteronomy 24. Uh, James 5 brings it out in the New Testament. The wages that you have kept back by fraud are crying out, James 5 says. And so uh, James 5 and uh, Leviticus and Deuteronomy and here in Proverbs 3.27 is speaking of uh, someone who is owed something and yet we keep it back for some reason. We withhold it. We hold that over the other person. This isn't even talking about what's generous yet. This is talking about what's right, what is due someone else. And so whether you are a boss who needs to pay people on time, or you're the type to not text people back with the simple answer, or you're withholding the forgiveness you ought to extend somebody right now, the Godward life, the life pursuing this kind of godly wisdom Does not withhold good from those whom it is due because it has been given much good by God. Verse 28 is similar. Do not say to your neighbor, Go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. You see, you don't make someone else wait for something if you have it with you. You have it. In your hand, those who daily encounter the goodness of God should not grow weary in doing good to others. I think verses 27 and 28 show the gaping hole in our hearts. And many times when we withhold good from others or we delay the kindness, we know that we can extend to others. It's not really even something that's All that big of a deal. Or it's not really something that's all that hard to give up. I think often we withhold good from others or we let them sit in this kind of uncertainty or insecurity without an answer from us because we like the power of having that authority in someone else's life. It's a selfish desire, it's a selfish motive. We enjoy having someone else dependent on our decision to do that good in their lives. Godly wisdom, humble, meek, godly wisdom is just the opposite. It looks to do good to others. It looks to bless others. It looks to be a vehicle of God's blessing in other people's lives. So let that be a reminder for us this season. And that's also what the rest of these do nots show us. Look at verse 29 and then 30 also. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. I'm reminded here of uh, maybe more positive command in the New Testament, Romans twelve eighteen, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. See, you would not plot and plan evil or you would not contend with a man for no reason if you had the wisdom of God because the wisdom of God would tell you to cultivate trust with people and maintain peace and exercise the love of Christ. You see, godly wisdom isn't pugnacious. It doesn't pick fights on the internet. Godly wisdom squashes beef. It de-escalates drama. It doesn't repeat the gossip that it hears. It doesn't stir up controversy or create strife amongst brothers. Instead, as we've seen so far in the Proverbs, the life of godly wisdom itself enjoys the shalom of God, the peace of God. This blessing of peace. And here what Proverbs is telling us is that it not only enjoys that peace for itself, but, is an, but it is therefore an agent of peace in the lives of others as well. In fact, verse 31, this final do not instruction here shows us just how much the Godward life is focused on multiplying and extending God's shalom with others. Look at verse 31. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. For the one who pursues godly wisdom, there's not a bone in his body that envies a violent man. There is not selfish gain or personal indulgence that would cause one with godly wisdom to even resort to considering envying a violent man. In the path of wisdom, there is abundant blessing, both now and into eternity, and the gain to be had from wisdom and the blessing of walking with God and the blessing that there is to share with others is all far too great to consider exchanging for the ways of a violent man or a devious person, both of which are an abomination to the Lord here. The one with godly wisdom is instead, verse 32, upright in his confidence. What a chapter, Proverbs 3, a portrait of a Godward life, a life of abundant blessing, a life of Peace and security, a life that is a blessing to all those who are near. It's a wonderful life that we've seen. And verses 33 to 35 take us right back to what verses 1 through 12 showed us. The life of godly wisdom is the kind of life that it is because it is oriented toward God because it understands and loves and knows the Lord and recognizes humbly how life works in God's world. Look at verse 33. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Therefore, uh, toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. These verses are reminiscent of the kind of pronouncement of blessing and curses we see throughout scripture. This is Deuteronomic. It's Psalm 1 again here. And it's the fork in the road that we've seen so far in the book of Proverbs. It's the choice that we have to make every step of the way in this life to either pursue wisdom and blessing and peace or the foolishness of wickedness and its curse, disgrace. Crossroads, as a ministry, we look back on a year of God's blessing. Maybe for you an imperfect year to be sure, but a year of God's faithfulness. And I think what we should see as we look back on a year like 2023 is that we should see both the potential uh, moving forward of the kind of life God offers us in Proverbs 3 according to his wisdom, but we should also see the incredible amount of room there is for us to grow in this godly wisdom. And at Christmas, I think we find great help and great perspective in this. Because the grace of wisdom in Proverbs 3 isn't so hard to fathom when we consider the incredible grace of God at Christmas in giving his his son, Jesus Christ. If God has given us Christ, how will he not also give us all things? The same gracious God who gives us his wisdom is the one who gave us his son. And so Crossroads, this Christmas, as you consider the Savior's birth, would you, as Proverbs 3 has shown us, see the extraordinary blessing of having access to the Father through the Son, God, a very God, come to earth as a, as a child. And also here in the Proverbs The blessing of knowing him on top of that and the blessing of following him and the blessing of being able to fear him and having the opportunity to find and to keep godly wisdom. This kind of wisdom that he has so graciously revealed to us. Invaluable wisdom. Wisdom that gives us peace and security and wisdom that gives us the chance to be a blessing to others. As we move toward the end of the year and step into a new one, I think it's cause for examination in this kind of uh, proverbial wisdom. Uh, Do we have it? Uh, Do we have this kind of wisdom? And it's also cause for us to not only examine, but to ask God for help in this. James 3, who is wise and understanding among you. By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously and it will be given him. Crossroads, as we end this year and step into a new one, would we ask God for the wisdom that we know that we need? Because it's his wisdom. And he's the God whom we love and fear and follow. And so how would we not ask for more from his gracious and generous hand? Uh, Let's pray now to that end. Father, thank you for uh, these friends, for this group that we can look at a book like Proverbs and we can see in it your incredible grace in our lives. You have given us your son, Christ. It's that fact, that truth we are reminded of this Christmas season. And God, in your grace, in your mercy, you have also given us your incredible wisdom, wisdom that has an invaluable effect in our lives, a wisdom that gives us peace and comfort and security both here and now and in eternity. And it's wisdom, Lord, that helps us to be a blessing to others. So help us, Father, as you are the one who has done good in our lives. Help us to do good in the lives of others. In this season, now, as we are reminded of the good that we have in Christ, but, Lord, in seasons to come as well. So, Father, as we go and as we sing now in response, uh, help us to be reminded of your kindness to us in all things. Lord, we ask for your wisdom for each and every one in this room. And it's in the name of your Son, Wisdom Incarnate, we ask these things. Amen.